piles and piles of plastic in the ocean. And it wasn't until then that I realized that virtually all the plastic I'd ever consumed in my lifetime was still floating around in the oceans or lying somewhere on this planet. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and influential guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and Zestful Ager. And if you like this podcast, you'll love my companion course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. You'll have access to what I've learned from being a psychotherapist for 30 years and the latest research on what habits really matter and contribute to vibrant aging. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. Last week, we spoke with Liz Vassy, a TV actress and writer. You may recognize her from Two and a Half Men. She has done a documentary called The Human Race, where she follows runners of all ages and explores the importance of running to them. It's really interesting. And she talks also about how running has helped her deal with the grief of her mom's death. And you will also recognize one of our uh, podcast guests in her film, Catherine Switzer, who was the first official woman to run the Boston Marathon. And next week, we'll be speaking with Paige Mills, who's the program director for Autism Up, which is a national program that teaches tennis skills to kids on the autism spectrum. It's scientifically developed by a neurologist and her spouse who was a professional tennis player. And it offers children a real opportunity to socialize and learn basic skills. And it's great for the parents who just need an hour off. So I think you'll really learn a lot and enjoy that interview with Paige Mills. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky beside me, my coffee in my hand, so let's begin. Today we're speaking with Pat Smith, a.k.a. Action Nan, who's from Cornwall, UK, and is on a mission to clean up England's beaches from plastic. She's dedicated herself to cleaning up one beach a week. She uses her own litter picker, and she's begun a campaign called The Final Straw, which brings attention to the damaging effects of plastic straws on marine life and the environment. Pat envisions a plastic straw-free Cornwall and has encouraged 600 local companies to stop using unnecessary plastic. She hopes to make Cornwall an exemplary county in the plastic-free movement in the UK. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hello. Nice to be here. Excellent. So I was reading about you and I saw that you saw a film that had a tremendous impact on you. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yes, it was just a chance thing, really, because they was filming, um, a film was being shown in our local cinema um, called O Plastic Ocean in um, April 2017. And I went along with my son as a treat for Mother's Day. And um, I, I was just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, it was just so shocking to me to see what was happening in the oceans from plastic that we'd all been consuming. And uh, the producer, Joe Ruxton, was actually there doing a Q&A afterwards. So it was even more powerful because she was able to validate the fact that they'd actually gone out to film blue whales. But while they were filming the blue whales, they kept encountering this terrible piles and piles of plastic in the ocean. And it wasn't until then that I realised that virtue all the plastic I'd ever consumed in my lifetime was still floating around in the oceans or lying somewhere on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so you are you you an innkeeper by by trade? No no I have a a business with um, holiday letting cottages. Cottages right and so you had done that for a majority of your adult life and hadn't really been involved in environmental um, projects, is that correct? Um, Well, basically, when I was a child growing up in the 50s, um, we didn't have single-use disposable plastic. In fact, most of the plastic I ever encountered was on, um, you know, sort of around a TV screen or maybe on a chair or something like was rigid, long-term plastic. It was hailed as a wonderful new invention and plastic fantastic was on the TV and radio at that time. And um, so I've been looking at some statistics which start in 1950 going through to 2015, which is basically my lifetime when we've gone from hardly any sort of like a million tons, there's like over three and a half billion tons now of plastic produced in the world and set to double by 2050. Mm-hmm. So you decided, you, you had made yourself a New Year's resolution to address this. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, following the film Plastic Ocean, which seriously bothered me, um, I actually was looking around for um, facts and figures to try and substantiate this. And the more I looked, the more I found that that plastic was an incredible problem, which most of us hadn't realized. And I found a quote while I was looking from from the American actress Lily Tomlin, which said, um, you've all seen this quote, I'm sure. It says, um, I always thought somebody should do something about that. And then I realized I am somebody. And that really resonated with me. So I kind of thought, I am the somebody. I'm the somebody who can do something about this. And so I started to be on a mission in my own life to try and reduce my consumption of plastic. But also, I, I started at that point my um, Final Straw Cornwall campaign. And um, it coincided the launch in November 2017 when 
Blue Planet 2 hit worldwide screens and David Attenborough was pointing out to everybody how awful plastic was in the oceans and um, I was ready to go with my campaign so I had a lot of people jump on board but that was very timely I hadn't really planned it that way. I see. So it was it was fortunate in that it was kind of coming together yes. um, when there was more attention. And uh, did you have any people who were resistant or who felt maybe put upon that you were uh, drawing attention to their single-use plastic straws? Um, not really, because I think there'd been a terrific change in mindset about... Um, the problems with single-use plastic following that film. And um, a lot of the businesses I approached, they weren't particularly raring to go, but <laughs> they actually, they, they'd realised there was a problem and I was kind of handing them an easy route to sign up to do something about it. And what's interesting now, um, a lot of those businesses that signed up in the early days have gone on their awareness was raised and they've gone on to reduce plastics in their business completely. So, for instance, a cafe will have started with the straws and then gone on to deal with the coffee cups and then maybe their styrofoam packaging for their takeaway meals and a plastic bag they used to put it in. So they've kind of, as far as possible, got rid of single-use plastic in their business right across the board. So it's mm. been like a light bulb moment where people have realised that, yeah, this is a problem. And yes, we can do something about it. What's it like for you, Pat, when you are walking past a cafe that used to use single-use plastic straws and now you know not only uses those straws, but there's been a ripple effect and they're using less and less plastic? What's that like for you? Well, it makes me feel really proud because, again, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm, I'm not particularly clever or anything special and, and I just think my goodness you know that old saying haunts me I am somebody and then if other people here go into that cafe and they don't get plastic and the people say this is why we're not doing it then they maybe start thinking oh well no I don't need a straw to drink actually and yes I can bring my own coffee cup and those plastic water bottles no don't want that I'll bring my own refillable bottle and just top up with tap water mm. we've just been so so consumer led where we we just encouraged to consume things as if there's no tomorrow and as if planet earth is just has an inexhaustible supply of um raw materials that we can plunder at our will that's it our doesn't. trash bin yes mm. and we don't have the right to um, be the only species that's actually um, valuable and important on this planet either. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're talking about humility. Yes, very much so. I feel very humble. And, I, and for me to be talking to you today, I'm still really shocked that anyone's interested in me. You know, I'm just an ordinary person. I haven't done anything very special. Mm. I just feel so proud that my words and my thoughts and maybe my passion has just touched other people.
Yes, indeed. And and how do you say you have a grandson am I, or your son? And you also have grandchildren. I have four grandchildren, yes. And, and um, how do they respond to this? Oh, they're so switched on. They they Because I spend quite a lot of time with them, they live locally to me. So mm -hmm. they join in beach cleaning and litter picking and they have done for years and they they kind of just accept it sort of like oh yeah we're going out with nan it probably involves you know rubber gums and litter picker and a bag wherever of we course walk. you do yeah of course. that's right you know it's funny because my family uh does fly fishing and these are places you know you go in quiet beautiful streams uh and it's a it's you're going in isolated places and I'm almost always finding styrofoam little yeah. containers where people had uh, bought worms mm -hmm. or hooks or mm -hmm. something just tossed aside so yeah. I too know that I have to bring with me some hefty bags because that's part of the experience is yeah. cleaning up the litter yeah. and also so so one of the things that i struggle with and i know that you struggle with on a grander scale is how do you keep your optimism and your energy when again and again you see trash and and this sense that we just use the beaches or wherever we are and we just drop our garbage I really do struggle with that sometimes and sometimes I can get quite low and um, sad about it but I think time and time again I always go back after I've had that low period um, you know I bounce back up because I think basically I care so much I care so much that I think me as an individual has the opportunity to make changes which I already know I've done and I just think I'm not going to stop because I do know that it is having an effect because this morning I've organised a litter picking group in my village and we've been going now for about six months and for the first three meetings it was just me and one or two other people and this morning 20 people turned up and the more that do it the more get involved and the more people start to realise it's their responsibility and often I've had people say to me, oh, well, you know, why are you picking up that litter? It's the council's responsibility or, you know, someone else should be doing it. But that's the way of the world nowadays. We all expect someone else to do stuff as if it's not our fault mm -hmm. or our problem. Mm -hmm. And I just say um, that has to stop. We are responsible for what we do in the world and we are responsible. We can make a big difference just by all of us acting in a more responsible and caring way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that if you have 20 of your uh, townspeople together on a beach, it, it, it might feel like a bonding experience. It is. I mean, it's a sharing and caring experience. And I've negotiated with a local um, cafe that we all get a free coffee, whoever <laughs> turns up. So when we finish, we sit and chat. And mm -hmm. today, four of the people were new. They'd never litter picked in their life before. And they were just said they found it so shocking that actually when they went out to realize how much was on the floor. And um, yeah, they're, they're obviously, they have changed their appreciation of the problem. Mm -hmm. 
Hi, Zestful Agers. I'll be attending the International Federation of Aging's 15th Global Conference on Aging in November of 2020. And if you're interested in improving your understanding of age-friendly environments, debating solutions to address inequalities, confronting the reality of ageism, and delving into what it means to enable the functional ability of an older person, head over to ifa2020.org to find out more. There's an early bird special on until the end of the year, so take advantage and join me in Niagara Falls. I'll see you there. And is is the town also assisting you at all? Since I don't, you know, I don't know how it works in Cornwall, but I'm sure that there's some department that's responsible or, or you know, is supposed to help with keeping Cornwall clean. Yeah, do yeah, they? we we do yeah. have we do have, and again, you know, when people say to me. Oh, you know, why are you bothering to get us to clean up when over in Indonesia, you know, people are sending rivers, India, you know, rivers of plastic out to the sea. You know, we're so much better behaved than they are. And I just say, look, you know, you're talking of countries which have little or no infrastructure to Mm. actually deal with their trash when they've dropped it. I said, we're in the Western world. We have people who clean up afterwards. We have free uh, trash collection from our door. You know, how dare we? How dare we turn around and drop it in the street? And I I would just say that it's just a matter of um, we consume far more than they ever will. Mm -hmm. And we are the worst problem of uh, people who who are using this massive amount of plastic Mm -hmm. in their lives. And we don't even realize it. No, and that's another thing that I've been very conscious of is how subliminally the plastic has crept up on us Mm -hmm. that we're expecting triple and quadruple wrapped items that mm-hmm. nothing even if you go to the dentist you know every single mm-hmm. thing is wrapped and triple wrapped and mm-hmm. we've we could, I look back now when I was a child you know it was so simple then we didn't have all this wrapping I took my mum's straw shopping basket and my bread came wrapped in tissue paper mm-hmm. and uh, my meat was in greaseproof paper and um, the convenient items, we got very lazy. We're mm. really, really lazy. We just expect to get this thing, rip the plastic off and throw it down mm. without a, a moment's consideration about actually that's not okay anymore. How is it for you to be among people who are not switched on, as you say, any other group? Uh, I, I don't know who you uh, you have people who come and let your cottages. Yeah. And ha- ha- talk about, you know, your advocacy, your passion, and then people who come to Cornwall just because it's Cornwall and beautiful and on the ocean. How do you negotiate that? Well, again, it, I try to do it by education. I try to open up a conversation without being boring. That's a problem. Sometimes I struggle because, you know, I just think, oh my God, I'm on my high horse again. I'm talking about plastic because I was a teacher in a former life. And and the problem with me is always in my life, education is king. 
if you have knowledge, if you have knowledge about something, you can choose. So if I can make people aware, they can start choosing the right thing or not. I know that I would never convince some people, but actually I think if I lay out my case and I just say, this is the problem, this is what you can do about it. Most people are really grateful for you handing them a solution. And in my cottages, Oh, we have made their lives almost impossible not to recycle because everything is so easy when you get your stuff to to the trash bin. It's With really the bins, easy. Yeah. it's very well yeah. sorted. Yeah. So do people actually come now and they know that they're letting cottages from Action Nan? Well, um, it's interesting, this one, because um, part of the story about me has been this frail little old lady who can hardly bend down and touch a floor. Um, but actually, I'm, I'm a businesswoman and I'm 71 years old and people don't expect me still to be running my business. So that side of it doesn't really sit well with the story. So mostly people have ignored that. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And is that something that you're, uh, how do you think about yourself as a 71 year old woman doing these projects, running your business? How, how do you think about that? I still think I'm 25. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, my body just shouts at me occasionally, um, lets me know that I'm not, but my heart and my head still think I'm young. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit inconvenient, but besides that, it sounds like it's working fine for you. It is, yeah. I mean, I'm enjoy I enjoy life. I I uh, live life with an enthusiasm of a child. I get excited about mm. things, and you can see me like jumping up and down with excitement. In fact, last <laughs> week on the beach. I found a piece of Lego because years ago uh, a ship went down carrying a massive pile of Lego and you very rarely find little pieces of soldiers and um, Lego bricks and things like that from this ship and I've been looking for one for ages and last Saturday I found one and there's a picture of me holding this tiny piece of Lego leaping up in the air going, yes! I found a piece of Lego at last, yeah. So this ship came from Scandinavia through... Yeah, uh, through and, and the it, English Channel, Channel. And, it, and it wrecked and the container fell off oh, and it tipped lots goodness. and lots of little pieces of Lego into the sea. Yeah. How fascinating. Mm. And it's still there. Yeah. Obviously, that's, yeah. you know, to your point, it doesn't get erased. It doesn't get, it is still there. Yeah, yeah. How and of course, Lego is highly recognizable. So you you yes. certainly know when you found it. Especially when you step yeah. on it with bare yeah. feet. I can attest <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Pat, talk to my audience about what we can do. I mean, we're not all going to be cleaning up our beaches with a litter picker uh, like you. We're not all going to be able to do what you do. Talk to us about some steps that we can do every single day to, to feel like we're making a difference in this. Oh, what a wonderful opportunity you've given me just here. Um, well, actually... What number one thing is people say to me, oh, I wish I lived near a beach like you. I'd be out cleaning the beaches regularly. And as I said to you earlier on, um, what we have to remember is the litter on the beach has not been dropped on that beach. 
the litter on the beach has come from roads, um, highways, streets where you live. And normally what happens if it's not picked up, when the rain, heavy rain comes, it gets washed into the drains and goes down the stream and then ends up in the sea that way where it's broken up by the waves and the salt. And little tiny bits of broken up plastic end up back on the beaches. So it comes from where you live. So number one is try and be responsible for the litter in your town or on your drive or on your highway. So that's number one. And number two, it's all about the simple changes you can make in your lifestyle. So like I said to you before, you go and you go to a, a restaurant that's serving plastic straws. Not only do you say no straw for me, please, you just say, those straws are really causing problems for our marine life. But have you or your manager considered not serving them and telling customers why? So if enough people say that to a, a business owner, they're going to start thinking, hmm, maybe the public are not liking these straws. Maybe I could be first in the queue for making a change here and do some publicity on the back of it. So the other thing you can do is... Um, when you go to um, get your takeaway coffee, think, do I really need to have a takeaway? Shall mm -hmm. I just sit in the cafe and chat and use the china cups that can be washed mm -hmm. up? Mm -hmm. And if I do need a takeaway, why don't I get myself a reusable coffee cup mm -hmm. and have it filled up each time, take it home and wash it and take mm -hmm. it with me? Mm -hmm. um, do I need to buy a plastic bottle of water? Can I not just get my own um, water bottle that I take with me and get filled up um, mm -hmm. from wherever I am. Usually restaurants and hotels are more than happy to fill your water up for you. Mm -hmm. And the quality of the water that comes out of the taps now is every bit as good as the, the quality of the fresh spring or whatever it is water mm -hmm. in, the, in the water bottles. You just don't need the bottle. And you have to remember that water companies plastic water bottle companies are in the in the business of selling you the bottles it's not the water the water you can have from anywhere Mm -hmm. That's a misconception. I know in the States, you know, it's sold as, oh, we have like 10 different kinds of water. You can get mm -hmm. caffeinated water, spring water, yeah. energized water, this one, that one. T talk, would you talk a little bit about the misconception of tap water? Absolutely. Well, um, in this country, there's been quite a lot of surveys done mm -hmm. because they, they try and sell it on the sort of um, the mineral content of mm -hmm. it's come from a highland spring or some special place. Actually, it nearly always doesn't. And I know there are big companies who are extracting water from places. It's, uh, it's causing massive problems to the people who live around those areas. But actually, what I think you need to think about is that all you're being done is you're being sold to. They are interested in making money out of you. Mm -hmm. And if they can make um, a really pretty, say, a tennis star or someone stand there with a water bottle of a certain name, mm -hmm. then you associate that image with something that's super cool. Mm -hmm. but actually, all they're doing is trying to sell you the water. Mm -hmm. which you can get for free. 
And I think, again, what's happened to me over the last couple of years is I've actually become quite resistant to sales pitch. Mm. I've actually started looking at it and saying, no, I don't, that's not true. That's not fair. I'm, mm. Instead of happily consuming um, everything, mm. I've actually said no. So I'm be a sa be, being more of a savvy consumer. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. And to, to try and always choose, you know, um, look for the, the, the um, where all these things have come from. Mm. You know, are, are the cheap fashion clothes I'm buying only cheap mm. because they're exploiting child labour in the third world country? Mm. You know, I, I, I should be expecting to pay for a decent quality product that has got some ethical um, supply chain. Mm-hmm. I see. You know, it's so interesting because in the grocery store, I see things like water from Iceland. And I, I imagine how many resources have had to be used to bring Iceland water to New York using jet fuel. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine yeah. all of the environmental yeah, exactly. damage that exactly. has to, so somebody can say, yeah. hey, look at my water from Iceland. Yes, exactly. And and to be perfectly honest, no different from the water in your tap. You know, everyone can get a tap filter, you know, filter water. You don't have to have it straight from the tap if you feel better about that. There's no difference in the quality of the water. And and like you say, all of those things involve food miles or fuel of, and, and the energy that's used to create the plastic bottle in the first place, mm. let alone the distance it has to travel. And all because, you know, we want to have the latest stuff and the time has to stop now for us to just be continually obsessed with having more things and not being content with what we've got. So you're really addressing not only plastic, but you're addressing a much larger issue, which is consumerism and lifestyle. Yeah, and lifestyle. Well, the plastic has the plastic has flicked on many light bulbs in my head, and I've actually the realization of the one has led to me actually starting to think about the others, and a bit like you know straws leading to coffee cups and packaging in my businesses. Mm -hmm. It's just like one, you can't look at that in isolation because every single thing that we consume has has implications for the raw materials on this planet. Mm -hmm. What do you think your life would be like without this initiative, Pat? You, you know, you're letting cottages, you've got your children, your grandchildren. How would it be different if you had not put yourself so fully into this um, project? It would be um, simpler, quieter, <laughs> not so hectic, mm -hmm. but... Um, I've always been really energetic and I've always had passion for things. Everything I do, I tend to be, you know, full on. And um, mm -hmm. I've, I've just so um, enjoyed meeting these like-minded people that I didn't know existed before. You know, having a voice like this now gives me an opportunity. I, I've just been having a very nice Facebook and email conversation with a lady in... Barclay, California, and she was so inspired by me, and she's a granny, 
how she started cleaning up her beaches in Berkeley, mm. and I think she's on beach number 39 now. Mm. And um, people from all over the world are saying, look, I, I, I looked at it and I thought, I can do that. And then you think, well, how many people has she influenced where she lives? And how amazing it is, like Greta Thunberg, you know, a 16-year-old schoolgirl who just stood up for what she believed in. And how powerful is that? It is, it is gorgeous. That's what it is. <laughs> she is, uh, she's really challenging um, the thinking of of the the leadership in the U.S. and it is about time. Absolutely, and uh, worldwide. And mm. um, I think again, she's you know an absolutely amazing, amazing mm -hmm. child, and mm -hmm. she has so so much conviction. And mm -hmm. I think maybe her Asperger's helps her to be that single-minded, mm -hmm. that she's not distracted with too many other mm -hmm. things like most of us have got in our lives. Right. She, but she's she has brave. said that. Oh, is she's she brave. ever? She's brave, and yeah. She is. A, a, she's, a, she's a gem. Um, I'm, you've been asked to do some pretty big presentations. Um, well, yes, I, uh, in, in um, a month's time, I've been asked to do a, um, a TEDx talk. Yes, um, I saw that. And, um, yeah, I'm a bit nervous about it, actually, because as you can hear, I can talk for England normally, chatting, chatting, chatting. But I think, you know, standing up on the stage with all the lights on me, you know, my mm. knees will go a bit jelly-like. <laughs> I think that that's part of the, the, the experience. If you go on a TEDx stage without your knees going jelly-like, that's, that's a very odd situation. Yeah. And where, where will the TEDx be filmed? Um, this is in Truro, which is uh, our um, main city in Cornwall. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, and it's, it's, it's a big thing. I, I watch a lot of TED Talks mm -hmm. myself because I find them very inspirational. Mm -hmm. And you never really know what you're going to hear. Um, and I think that's just part of the human nature of, of people, that, that their passion shines through. And I've, I really enjoy listening to what they have to say. So, Do you think it'll be difficult to get all of what you want to say is it 18 minutes or 20 no, minutes I, I, it's only about 13 for us i think 13, so I so i've kept myself very much on a theme for this it's not mm -hmm. uh, all the sort of variety of things we've touched in this conversation mm -hmm. but um but my theme is going to is is called the attenborough effect so I'm I'm trying to explore what it is about certain people having the power to inspire others, and what is that? Ah, I see. That's that's a whole psychological piece to it this. It is. It is. I'm not a psychologist, but I'm just trying to sort of work out for me. You know, why can certain people? Um, bring mm -hmm. the rest of the uh, audience or their followers along with them, whereas other people you listen to and you've forgotten what they said tomorrow. <laughs> and and what are you finding? What makes people um, 
uh, more influential than others? What are you noticing? I think I think one one very important thing is something we've already touched on, which is called passion. I think uh, mm -hmm. a passionate person who who is also very authentic, i.e., they are um, walking the walk, not just talking mm -hmm. the talk. So someone who, who practices what they preach. So you can see that actually, you know, what they're telling you is what they believe themselves and what they're actually doing. And I think that that makes it more um, inspirational, you know, number mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and maybe not being perfect, but really trying hard. And, yeah, and, and yeah. I think, again, mm -hmm. ordinary men and women, are, and I'm thinking literally people like Mahatma Gandhi, mm -hmm. um, Nelson Mandela, Greta Thunberg, mm -hmm. ordinary people who've actually just said Rosa Parks, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to give up my seat on this bus. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what she did. Mm -hmm. And you know, look at what happened after that. Right. Um, right. So I'm, I'm thinking a, a lot of that inspiration has come from people leading by example and also not being afraid to challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you're talking about courage. I'm talking about courage and not, and not bland acceptance of everything we're told. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of the time now we are being manipulated, not necessarily for the powers of evil, but actually manipulated to kind of be um, accepting, accepting of everything we're told and given. Mm -hmm. And I think it's time for us little old grannies to say, come on, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really uh, important. And I have to say, I'm pretty interested in environment and you've inspired me today <laughs> and um you know i already have it in my consciousness but i think hearing it from you and hearing it emphasized and the reality of it we can't escape it anymore we can't we, we you know time is not on our side mm -hmm. we we to be fair when i was growing up i had no idea that plastic was causing a problem and I think the thing is that once you realize that things you were doing are actually contributing to maybe even the sixth mass extinction, maybe even the fact that mm. what I drives me on, the most important thing that drives me on is that I feel that I've contributed to making a polluted world for my grandchildren to inherit. Mm. And mm -hmm. I won't be here to see it. That's it will right. be something I've done in my lifetime to cause them massive problems in theirs. And right. I don't like that feeling. I really right. don't like it. Right, right, right. Where can people learn more about you and take up the cause and become more involved in the final straw? Well, we have a website called finalstrawcornwall.co.uk. Okay. Um, okay. I also have... Um, a Twitter account called mm -hmm. Just Action Nan. Okay. And um, yeah, I have an Instagram. You know, I I I try to use social media as much as I can because mm -hmm. as I'm talking to you today, you know, Facebook. We've got Final Straw Facebook. I've got Action Nan. 
and, and they're my voice and I try and continually um, daily update everything I'm up to and things that I think, you know, people quite like to hear things that inspire me and influence me and help me keep mm. going because mm. sometimes my batteries do get a bit empty mm -hmm. um, and then I only need to read something else inspiring and off I go again. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think you make a really good point. You know, sometimes we get tired, even though we love what we're doing and we're passionate. And sometimes maybe you just need to sit on that rocky, beautiful coast and in your, you know, uh, with your reusable coffee cup and look out and just take a take a rest. Absolutely. Or wherever you are. Somewhere. They say that, you know, being in touch with nature is the most therapeutic, um, you know, no cost healing you can have, even if it's in your local park or, you know, just looking at a view. But if you just take time to be in the moment and, you know, smell the air and, you know, it just is oh so good for your soul. And um, to me, the way we're going, the way we're using it up and spoiling it is just, you know, to our own peril, really. Well, it has been an absolute honor and pleasure for me to be able to talk to you today, Pat. And I know our audience is going to be really resonating with this message. It's all around us now. It's a big wake-up call. And I really appreciate you giving us some really basic steps that we can use starting today um, to uh, have some impact on this. So thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Well, again, all I can say is thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some of my thoughts because I'm sure they're no different from most other ordinary grandmothers. But at least we we can now, hopefully, more people go along and say, okay, right, shirt sleeves rolled up, off I go. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and see what I can do now. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. 
And next week, we'll be speaking with Paige Mills, who's the program director for Autism Up, which is a national program that teaches tennis skills to kids on the autism spectrum. It's scientifically developed by a neurologist and her spouse who was a professional tennis player. And it offers children a real opportunity to socialize and learn basic skills. And it's great for the parents who just need an hour off. So I think you'll really learn a lot and enjoy that interview with Paige Mills. See you then. 